We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Coaches across the country used the coach pad this past season to be more efficient with their scout card prep on the weekends as well as when out on the practice field working with their scout teams. Whether you're a coach using a computer program to create cards or drawing them by hand, the coach pad is for you. Never printing paper or stuffing a binder, clearly seeing scout cards outdoors in the bright sun, and using the coach pad on game days, syncing diagrams from the press box to the sideline were some of the features coaches enjoyed this season. This offseason, get your coach pad at thecoachpad.com to get your program ready for next season, thecoachpad.com. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Um, today we have the head strength and conditioning coach at Veterans Memorial High School down there in my favorite city, San Antonio, Texas. Um, coach Elton Crockering, also known as just Coach Croc. Coach, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, Coach. I, I mean, again, we were just talking briefly, and um, I know the weather isn't as as exciting for you today as it as it should be, but yeah. um, it still is. I'm checking real quick. Probably about 25 degrees warmer where you're at than I am, so can't be too all bad. Um, yeah. But, I mean, let's start with how did you end up as the head and strength coach at uh, Veteran Mortal? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I started off uh, playing college football at Abilene Christian University. Got to give them a shout-out. Go Wildcats. Um, played football there for four years. Graduated. Didn't really know what I wanted to do in my life. Um, ended up going to grad school out here in Texas State. And that's when I uh, started interning as a uh, strength and conditioning intern for the football strength staff there. Um, and then from there, I learned, you know, about certifications, grad assistant positions, paid internships, um, and just started pursuing those opportunities and ended up getting a grad assistant position after a year at UTSA at Hardin-Simmons and got my master's degree from there in kinesiology, spent two summers at IMG Academy, working with, you know, various athletes, the football team, track athletes, international tennis players, like from all over the world. And then I moved to West Virginia. So I love beautiful Huntington, uh, you know, Bradenton, Florida, um, you know, where I could go to the beach like 10, 15 minutes away from where I was living at to Huntington, West Virginia, where, you know, it was snowing the first week of October. And so <laughs> I was out there for about a year working with pretty much everybody except for football and, and baseball. So I was working with you know, men's, women's soccer, cheerleading, swim and dive, men's, women's basketball. So not necessarily working with football, but definitely sharpening my sword by working with with other athletes. Uh, after about a year there, I ended up moving back to San Antonio, where I was working at University of Incarnate Word, working with football strength staff. And then I was in charge of men's and women's golf. Spent about six, seven months there and took the head job at uh, Texas A&M in Kingsville, where I was pretty much over every sport and two graduate assistants. So I was there for a year before getting let go, transitioning to high school. And this is going on my fourth year in the the, the high school level. Uh, started off doing, you know, middle school PE, middle school football, assistant with varsity football, and then doing powerlifting. And then my next stop when we moved back to San Antonio, uh, I was pretty much doing all middle school sports, football, basketball, and track before – uh, taking over all the strength and conditioning at one of the smaller 3A schools here in San Antonio. And then they just so happened to create a position within the district. And so there's three, uh, one 6A high school and two 5A high schools. So each the 6A has about 3,000 students. And then the um, other 5A school in our district has about 22, 2,300 students. And then we have about 1,700 students. And so fairly large uh, high schools in the inner city of San Antonio. 
and uh, they hired three full-time strength and conditioning coaches. And so we're the only district in San Antonio that has full-time strength coaches. We don't teach, we don't coach any other sports. We just do strength and conditioning. And so we're very fortunate with the position and the layout and, um, you know, our district right now, we have a uh, five periods a day. So we have, you know, 75 minute and 90 minute periods throughout the day that we can train our athletes. And so very fortunate to be at a school district like Judson ISD and to be at Veterans Memorial High School here in San Antonio. Uh, very fortunate, you know, the other two guys, Coach Jeremy Walden, Coach Howard Jackson, the two guys in the district, just guys that I bounce ideas and stuff off of. Um, you know, we go through similar similar deals because we have the same class schedule and time breakdown and demographic of athletes uh, and our schools what we call school of choice. And so our kids can choose whatever high school they want to go to within the district, uh, regardless of what middle school they attended. So we go through a lot of the same challenges and everything. So I'm definitely appreciative of uh, those two guys. And um, this is going on my second year. I took this job April of 2022. And so this is going on about a year and a half for me, uh, almost two years come April. Um, and it's going great so far, uh, just, just trying to break bad habits, create and build a, a culture of training. I tell the kids, like, we don't come in here and lift weights. We train, like we're, we're trying to, you know, get y'all in shape, get y'all ready for camp and practice, and that'll get you ready for games. And so it's, it's layered and it's scaffolded in a way that, you know, you have to do step one before you can go to two and two to three and so on and so forth. And so uh, it's going pretty good right now. We're on Christmas break. Thank God. <laughs> um, got about two and a half weeks off. And so, you know, between going through football season, going to the second round of the playoffs, last year we went to the third round of the playoffs. And so a little bit disappointing, but, you know, being when you lose talent and stuff, it's hard to uh, replicate the, the same level of success. And so, um, able to take football through, you know, off season, I guess a, a postseason, if, if you may, um, just trying to load them up, hit them with different variations of things. So that way I can kind of set the table for uh, off season 2024. So that's where I'm at right now in a nutshell. Um, I don't want to break the record for the world's longest bio. So um, <laughs> that's where, that's where, that's where we stand today. Well, I think you're good, Coach. I think I mean he didn't do a bio, but he did tell a story. I think the longest intro I've had was Hal Mummy when he did like a 15 minute story to start. So yeah, you're not the longest. You're good there. It's fine. Like I, I said, like I it's, it's I don't like just short answers. It, it's it's kind of boring when you I just get five word answers. So I, I curiosity because I know every sport's different. I've talked to a variety of strength coaches over the years. Um, what is your favorite non-football sport? Every sport's got a different personality, obviously. Their kids have different personalities. Yeah. But non-football, which one's your favorite to kind of work with? Um, It would be between volleyball and vo – volleyball would probably be 1A, and then 1B would probably be a tie between softball and, and girls' track, um, from the girls' side at least just because the, it's just different culturally. And then when you have those groups that love to train, it's like it's like telling football, like, hey, we got voluntary 6 a.m. lift tomorrow and 95% of your team shows up. Like, that's a different type of lift than if you're lifting during the period where guys are already at school and they're kind of forced to do it. So yeah. if you get that right group of athletes, and typically it's your sports, like your volleyball and your softball, they're a rah-rah sport, like, you know, they, they chant and stuff and have celebrations throughout the game. So naturally they're inclined to, to have a little more juice than other sports. And then with track, track is one of those like result, uh, you know, testing oriented type sports where, hey, if you're not hitting your numbers, then you're not going to hit your mark. And if you don't hit your mark, then you're not going to place or you're not going to win or be successful. So it's kind of like, hey, I may not like the weight room, but I know I know that my strength and power is directly tied to my performance. So if I don't do it, then I'm not going to get stronger and more powerful. Therefore, I'm not going to be able to jump as far as I want or throw or sprint. Um, so I like track and field from that like business. Typically, they're like, hey, what we got to do, let's get it so we can get in and out. Um, volleyball is kind of uh, more personality and softball, same thing. I mean, you're talking about softball. They're outside. They're in the dirt. 
they're sliding, they go outside with white pants, they come back inside with like red or brown pants, like, you know, so you can be a little more um, upbeat, I guess you can say, whereas like some sports, like, you know, the cliche, your tennis and your golf, it's kind of like, you got to be a little more quiet, a little more reserved, because you might, you might startle them a little bit, you know, and so I'd probably say volleyball, um, because every volleyball program I work with, they've gotten after it in the weight room. Um, and they've seen the the results correlate where they're not getting hurt and they're jumping higher, which if you're a volleyball player and I can help you stay healthy and jump higher. Like <laughs> you're going to be pretty successful throughout the season. So, um, and then men's sports, man, it just depends on the culture. I mean, I've been a part of, you know, I was at Marshall, I worked with men's golf and those dudes were like, trying to deadlift five, 600 pounds, like wanting to get after it. Right. And so like, that's a team that I want to work with guys that are like, coach, what we got today. Hey, where the belt at? Like I'm trying to hit a PR because we got sing heavy singles today. Like I've had golf teams like that. I've had uh, a Marshall again, cheerleading. Right. Um, I trained them like I would football. I mean, they tumble, right. They got a whole other levels above their head. Like good programs. They're different. Yeah, for sure. And this one, we had like a full cheerleading program. Like we had a separate program for the Flyers, separate program for the base. The base appreciated like the upper mobility and the overhead pressing. Cause like when they have to hold that 110 pound girl above their head, like they don't want to be only able to lift 115 pounds. Like they want to be strong. And so I've had programs like that, that you wouldn't traditionally think are like teams that want to come in and get after it. And then I've had teams where, you know, it it felt like punishment. You know, I've had boys basketball team in the past where they felt like they were being punished by coming into the weight room. And then they leave, they leave. And then girls soccer is like about to run them over to get into the weight room so they can get their lift in. So it's like, it just, it just varies, you know, personality, um, I, I think I have a higher winning percentage working with the volleyball and the softball girls track um, than I do with some of the other teams. Because then the other thing is, too, is like, you know, with the girls side, they're often neglected and forgotten about, you know, unless you have like a stud girls program. There's a lot of people that are just kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess I think there's a girls basketball game going on today. And it's like, you know, girls and boys, and at least in Texas, they play on the same day, like Tuesdays and Fridays. So like. If the boys are playing at home on Tuesday, that means the girls are playing away. And like some people are have no clue that they even have a girls basketball program. So when you offer strength and conditioning to, you know, underserved programs like your girls athletics, typically like the buy-in is almost instant. Um, I don't, I have a personality about myself. So I'll match like the sassiness. So they appreciate that just going back and forth and just getting them motivated. And so those are probably my, uh, my top teams, like I said, boys side, they're a little finicky, but like girls, I know like <laughs> volleyball and softball are typically gonna gonna yeah. be geeked up to to be in there. Well, you meant, you mentioned cheerleading there, like so when I was at my prior school, our head cheer coach, her daughter cheered at uh, Ohio State, and mm-hmm. like she would talk to us about their workout programs, and it's like, I mean, it's high competitive. They're they're expected to do a yeah. lot, like, and and that's why, and that's one of the things I hate about high school athletics to a point is the misunderstanding of the weight room and a lot Mm -hmm. of sports that aren't football or baseball or really your main sports don't understand the importance of the weight room. Like like bowling and like um, golf programs have weight programs. Like y'all need to understand, Mm -hmm. like it's not just, not just your like contact sports that have weight programs. Like you want to be a better athlete. You want to do more. I mean, you're going to be in the weight room. Like, I mean, that's it's yeah. same. your golf kids want to score, deadlift 500 pounds. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool, to be honest. Like, for sure. Like, so, um, I mean, like, we'll probably hit on a variety of topics today, depending on how long we go. But uh, one of the things I wanted to hit on with you, because I saw it on Twitter, and I've seen another coach do something similar before in person, but I never got to mm-hmm. ask about it. It's kind of your pregame football, because I am under the – belief that and this is part of me being so into feed the cats as i am is i Mm -hmm. the old static pre-game stretching being outside for an hour and a half before the game and just getting going out there just to do what you've always done 
And then I think I don't even know how long it goes. I, I um, you tweeted out something about your pregame. I think you guys were in the playoffs at the time, and how you were just doing stuff different. It wasn't static. I mean, there was video of you. Actually, as I'm talking about it, I'm, I'm scrolling down looking for it. Like your kids, yeah. moving, you appreciate your head coach for allowing you to do stuff different. Do you kind of want to talk about what you do pregame? Because I think that's a very interesting, different perspective. And I also think that's if for a school that doesn't necessarily have a reliable strength department or knowledge, it's a way to <clears throat> change the dynamic. Yeah, for sure. Well, first, I want to give a shout out. Uh, to our boys coordinator, Coach Bobby Irvin, and also our girls coordinator, Janelle Moltke. Um, both of those two people, they they give me the ball and they get out of my way. You know, they let, they let me do my thing. They let me cook. And so um, Coach Irvin, the head football coach, um, since I've been in, you know, he was like, hey, this is, this is how we've done things. What do you think? What do you like to do? And from the get-go, he said, I mean, he said publicly in front of the staff, like, hey, I'm not knowledgeable about strength and conditioning. Coach Croc is. That's why he's here. Right. Coach Crock is the head strength coach. Um, he's knowledgeable. He's experienced. I believe in him. That's why we hired him. So, you know, let him do his thing. And I'm, I don't say never because I don't want to jinx, but like, I don't, I have yet to have a problem where coaches like, we're not doing this program, like just kind of like rebelling against what I'm doing. Everybody's for the most part, just kind of falling in line and just kind of went with the program and everybody for them, from what I've seen, uh, has enjo uh, enjoyed it and reaped the benefits of, you know, having a strength and conditioning program year round. And so when it came to the football warmup, I just, it just bothered me to just see the kids go through the motion because I, I have this strong belief that, you know, your injuries typically come at the beginning of the game um, or late in the game, right? Beginning of the game, that can be attributed to not being warmed up, not being activated, things like that. End of the game can be more fatigue, but, you know, it's rare that you see that, Achilles tear, you know, right before halftime, right middle of the game or right out of, you know, the third quarter. It's typically like fourth quarter or maybe it's early in the game, like Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that, right? First play. And so, um, and I could be wrong, but, you know, your injuries can be attributed, you know, depending on the time of the game to certain things. And so when I would see the kids just go through our warmup, I already had this belief that if you're, team goes outside and just static stretches before a football game, we're, we're putting 50 up on you. Like we're, we're beating you by 50 because you're not going to prepare your kids to be successful by, you know, old school YMCA, uh, everybody legs apart, down to the right, ready, clap, go down to the right, hold it, everybody up, down to the left, ready, clap. Like if you're doing that pregame, I believe my team is going to run you out of the stadium, right? And so we would do dynamic stuff. And the thought process was, you know, hey, the kids are sitting on the bus, whether it's 30 minutes, whether it's a 90 minutes, they're sitting on a bus and they haven't moved. They haven't moved since, let's see here, we don't have morning practices on Friday during the period. So you're talking about the Thursday before a game from 5 to 6 p.m. The kids are moving from the time they finish and come off the field at 6 p.m. on a Thursday until you get to the stadium, those kids have not moved. Like their heart rate hasn't increased over their resting, above their resting heart rate. Um, they haven't contracted their muscles outside of like standing and sitting. So it's like these kids haven't moved for well over, you know, almost 24 hours. And so what we would do is we would always bring the kids out and I would take them. They'd give me 10 minutes, 10 minutes to warm them up. And depending on how long the drive is, sometimes he'd say, hey, give them a little more, right? Let's say we were playing somewhere that's almost two hours away, I might get like 12 minutes instead of 10. Or let's say we're playing at home and it's real warm outside and, you know, nice overcast, we might get eight, right? But I normally had on average about 10 minutes to warm the kids up and do whatever I felt like was necessary. And so last year in 2022 was my first season and it went good, but I just started kind of picking up things because, you know, first year on the job, you don't want to come and just, you know, rip up everything and just start doing everything different. You want to kind of take some old things that they did that were good and, you know, maybe tweak them a little bit. And so I went with the flow and, you know, the second year I knew I wanted to do something different. And so uh, I think it was like during a scrimmage and we were warming up and he's like, Hey, you got about six minutes, get them warmed. And then we're, we're rolling. I'm like, all right, cool. So we're going through, you know, a kind of an up-tempo warm up, and guys are just not moving. Like we're doing, 
you know, straight leg kicks where they're supposed to be swinging their foot up to their opposite hand or some people call them Frankensteins and they're not even swinging their leg up high enough to kick their hand or, you know, we're doing what we call tall side slides, which is just like a lateral shuffle where they swing their arms down below their waist and then up above their head. I got guys not even getting their arms up above their head. So it's like if we're doing a warm up and guys aren't warming up, then we're honest, we're wasting our time, you, you know. And so I sat down with the coach and it's something that it's always been in the back of my mind. I know uh, years and years ago at Oregon, um, they used to do, you know, fast Fridays and, you know, the thought process was like, hey, we don't want to go into the game, you know, after like a slow walk through whatever we want to go in like, you know, what our hearts racing up tempo. So we would do fast Fridays and we did them at UIW where basically Friday is like, hey, we're going to put shoulder pads on and we're going to practice and we're going to thud and we're going to move around and fly around the field. And, you know, we're going to go in and we're going to get a, you know, concentric heavy lift. So we're, we're catching cleans, but we're not catching them at the bottom and we're doing mobility and we're doing all these other things where we're basically exciting like the central nervous system and priming the body to go out and perform at a high level in the next 24 hours. Well, If you're doing that on a Friday, then you're prepping the body that Saturday. And so it's just a cultivation of all these different things that I've seen in the past and that other programs have done. And I said to myself, why not do some type of circuit where you're essentially forcing the kids to go through a full range of motion, um, increase their heart rate, uh, circulate blood throughout the muscles and joints, things like that, the whole purpose of a warm-up. And so um, in fall camp, we did a uh, metabolic metabolic conditioning. And so we had like battle ropes and med balls and jump ropes and bear crawl stations and stuff like that, where we would work for like 20 seconds on and uh, take about 10, uh, 20 seconds on, 20 seconds off. And so we'd already had like a taste of that. And I thought to myself, what do we do that as part of the warmup? So the football coach had already seen that circuit and saw the benefit of, Hey, instead of bringing the guys into the weight room, or right after the first football practice, having them condition, let's put them in a position where like, hey, you can go as fast as you can or as slow as you want, but you got to keep moving for 20 seconds. And it's just different things where, you know, the, the the skill guys can get away with running gassers because they're skilled. They run. It's the big guys that struggle. But then maybe you do uh, some type of like bear crawl or something or med ball slam or some type of ropes where, now all of a sudden the bigs have a little more advantage because they're bigger and they're stronger. And now the skills are kind of struggling. And so he had seen all of those things and I explained those things to him and the purpose of doing it. So I instantly built in the trust to do something that a lot of people would consider as radical. So instead of getting to the stadium and going through the, you know, ankle pulls and knee hugs and quad pulls and lunge and twist and all that's great stuff. Instead of doing that, I figured out, Hey, how can we get them to warm up all of those different muscles? Not even having to tell them, but like just getting them to do it, even if they don't do it to the best of their ability. So, you know, you look at our rotation, it's like everything is 15 reps and it's two sets. So if me and you are partners, I do my 15 reps. I give you the equipment. You do your 15 reps. You give it back to me. I do my 15, so on and so forth. So we do two sets of 15 and I give them roughly 90 seconds. So now, if I'm doing band pull aparts, I can't just go through the motion and have a full long conversation about my day. I got to move with a sense of purpose because I got to do my 15, but then I got to give you the equipment to do your 15. So now you get guys moving and let's say, you know, they're not doing the band pull apart exactly how you want them to do it. Right. Where, Hey, that band should be even with the eyes. When you pull it, it should touch the top of your chest. Let's say they're just pulling it apart and it's bouncing between their nose and their chin. That's okay because they're still rotating those scabs right? They're, they're still getting that shoulder mobility in there and activating and circulating blood throughout that shoulder joint. So you're still getting what you want out of it, right? And then we'd also have rotational med ball slams where now they're kind of throwing a little bit of weight around, rapid fire, the heart rate's getting up. Now we got guys that, you know, their heart rate's getting in the hundreds and during a warm-up, whereas before it may have never went over 80, you know? And so we're doing our rotational med ball slams. We got you know, our mini bands, or we're doing lateral band walks on the field um, just to activate the glutes and the uh, the hip flexors. And then we're doing our jump rope simply because, hey, we want to get heart rates up, right? Just talked about last time the kids moved around was the Thursday before a game around 5 p.m. And here it is, you know, 5 p.m. the next day. And 
you know, they haven't moved since then. So we throw the jump ropes in there. And then the last one is the kettlebell swings, right? That's our hip hinge. That's our glute hamstring activator, but then also shoulders. And then as we progress each week, the guys learn like, hey, I'm knocking out my kettlebell swings in 45 seconds, me and my partner, um, or maybe a minute. I still got 30 seconds. So I'm going to pick the kettlebell up and, you know, maybe do some type of like shoulder mobility or some upright rows. So then you get guys that are like, you know, maybe they're not doing two sets of 15. Maybe they're doing one set of one set of 15, but it's probably more work than they would have done if they would have went through your traditional warm up. And so uh, I presented that idea to the football coach. We practice it in the weight room. We, we had a lift. I basically set the weight room up like the field would be. So everything is in sequential order. I gave them 90 seconds. They did it. And then our very first game, um, I got a trunk from one of the uh, athletic trainers. Um, shout out Lawson and, and Potter. They hooked me up with a nice little little trailer, and I put all the med balls, kettlebells, all the all my fun stuff in there. And then we got the ball boys to load it up on the truck, and they put it out on the field for me. And so um, our warm up is kind of lengthy, but you know, from five. So we get whenever we get to the stadium, you're talking about from five to five ten. I have my ten minutes to warm them up. I normally get it done at eight. Um, so we we do that, and then they split up offense, defense, just kind of walk through, go through some stuff. They send the kids in for about 15 minutes. Then they bring them back out with their pants and stuff on. And that's kind of like their fun time where they can throw the football around, listen to music, run routes, whatever, um, have a good time. And then they send them back in. And then that's when they bring them back out in waves where they bring like your specialist and your returners and they'll kick field goals and punt and catch and return punts and stuff. And then then they'll bring out the, uh, the next group of skill guys. So then they'll start like, lining up running routes and stuff with the offensive guys defensive guys will work like you know one-on-ones and things like that and then the last wave is like your o-line d-line um your bigs they come out and then we do what's called like quick cow which is kind of like our um you know our energy booster or whatever and you know we go through you know breaking up in lines and our line leaders call out different calisthenic exercises and they go through it and so that's what we kind of do to get the juices flowing and then we go and the team, and then after the team, we kick some field goals. We head inside with about 10 minutes left. And so it's a it's a lengthy process as far as, like, our pregame routine. But I appreciate it because I just think about the kids. Like, these kids can't be warmed up and ready to go. And like I told my football coach, I'm like, you don't want your stud running back running full speed or activating his muscles at maximum effort when he's getting his first carry, which might be four or five, six minutes into the first quarter, right? You're talking about kickoff is at seven. If we start on defense and, you know, they work the field and the game's on TV and there's TV timeouts, you're talking about from seven, we may not get on the field till seven, 12, seven, 15. And we got to the stadium at, at, at four 30. <laughs> so from four 30 to seven 15, you have yet to run, full speed, activate that muscle, you know, activate your muscle groups, your hamstrings, things like that. You haven't activated that in that time because you're going through this, you know, monotonous warm-up that you're used to going through. Well, at least with this circuit, your heart rate has gotten up. You know, your, your heart rate's hit 110, 120 from the kettlebell swings or the jump rope or whatever, whereas your walkthrough, you're jogging through your route full speed. You might catch it. You might drop it, whatever. It's a walkthrough. You know, it's kind of a, the, the, the slow preparation leading up to the game. But then, like I said, it, there's no guarantee that, okay, we're on defense. Well, you may not touch the field for another 10, 12 minutes. I mean, I've been in games where game starts at seven and it's on TV and I look up and, you know, we're, we're just now going into halftime and I get inside and it's eight, it's eight Oh five. And I'm like, we just took an hour for, for one half of football of high school football, but, TV timeouts and stuff like that. So it makes the game longer. So you just got to think about, you know, are you prepared to go out and compete at a high level? And then, you know, if you're not, what can we do? Because if you're not, if you're not physically prepared to go out and compete at a high level, I don't need you trying to figure that out when you get that first carry or you got to go make that lead block or you got to fill the hole and make a tackle. Like we, we got to know that like, Hey, this isn't feeling good. Or, you know, I, I don't feel a one, um, in pregame, not in the first series, and then we give up a touchdown because you you weren't clicking on all cylinders, and then we lose by a touchdown because we had a essentially a weak link in there that that couldn't get the job done, and so 
that's pretty much that's pretty much it, man. In a nutshell, um, like I said, shout out to Coach Irvin. Um, I know with football coaches, they're very uh, routine in a lot of the things that they do, and um, people in general don't like change. But I know something that you know, if you look at, I mean, my 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 head coach has been coaching for twenty plus years, and he's never done anything like this. So I can't even imagine if somebody came to me with like a new piece of equipment and is like, hey forget the barbell, you need this. This is going to get you stronger. And it's like, uh, I can see how that'd be tough to like give up something that's so traditional and routine. And so shout out to Coach Irvin and the whole uh, VMHS football coaching staff for for letting me rock and, and to do my warm up. And the kids received it well. And, you know, it made them kind of feel good because it was like, you know, we're out here slamming med balls and stuff around and guys are doing like yoga on the sideline. Like nothing against it. <laughs> nothing against it but I think for every team that came out there and did like the partner stretch I'm pretty sure we whooped those guys you know not saying it had anything to do with like the warm-up by by no means but it was just like it's just a mentality right if your team comes in they're fired up you know before kickoff you probably have a good chance versus if your team's like sleepwalking out there to go you know, break through the title, it's like, it's going to be a long game for y'all. So it definitely woke us up, I would say, and, and had guys, uh, you know, on that, on that right level and, and right mind state to, to go out and compete. Now, I mean, yeah, I mean, and you're, you also kind of mentioned there that the change part is you're talking about a sport that is about as anti-change as humanly possible. And I mean, let's be honest, football coaches are creatures of habit and tradition. Mm -hmm. I don't even know why the tradition exists, but we still do it. Like, it's just... For sure. I mean, if you, we are probably the slowest to change. I mean, I, I listen to strength coaches all the time, and you listen to the NFL, it's like their strength and speed development stuff is 15 years behind college and high schools. I mean... Yeah. It's, and, it's, and you wonder why you have an Achilles tear every week. Um but that's a whole other another issue. Um, two other questions I want to hit on because, like I said, I mean, I mean, we could go hours just off of simple questions. Is one of the other things I saw it was oh god I wrote it down I know I did. Uh, you're I mean you were talking on one of your tweets about like flexibility and mm -hmm. mobility. I think you uh, the T spine stuff. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And that's a big area for me right now because I have some linemen that are big boys that can move some weight, but they're not, they need to be able to move better. And that's been one of my yeah. off season. So what are you doing to make just general high school kids, whether they're mm -hmm. off the linemen or other kids move, be flexible, be able to move better um, on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. Like I said, I saw the T-spine stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, <clears throat> excuse me. So that came from, you know, undergrad, I majored in physical therapy. And so I knew I wanted to work with like people, athletes more specifically. Um, and so that's where that was inspired from and just picking up stuff from when I was hurt, um, stuff from when I, you know, played, went to physical therapy, worked as a PT technician. And so just different things, mobility I've, I've picked up. And I just always felt like from a football player standpoint, like if that kid doesn't physically feel good he's probably mentally not going to feel good and he's probably not going to play at a high level sometimes you just got to trick a kid like a kid can be you know all bandaged up all casted up but if mentally he feels like he's going to go up there and like f some stuff up then like good things are probably going to happen but if a kid is perfectly fine and mentally they feel like crap then they're probably not going to go out there and dominate and so what I do is any type of major squat, press, hinge, or pull, we always uh, try to add in some type of mobility that coincides with that. And one of the biggest ones, <clears throat> excuse me, and I tell my basketball players this all the time, um, you know, a guy like Ben Simmons in the NBA who had chronic back issues, like it don't matter how big your arms are, doesn't matter how fast you are, doesn't matter how strong you are. If that low back is is on fire, nothing else matters. And so um, I try to place a huge emphasis on mobility with those movements, but especially when we're hinging a lot, whether it's doing like our clean pulls or cleans or our trap bar deadlift, you know, again, heavy hinging, low back recruitment. 
I try to always implement that uh, that T-spine rotation and some type of lower uh, thoracic spine uh, mobility because, again, if that low back is on fire, nothing else matters. I don't care how many yards you ran for last week, how many sacks you had. Like, if your back is tight, your back is tight. And I've seen it firsthand, and I've experienced it firsthand, um, where everything is going good, and then you bend down for something, and that back tenses up, and now all of a sudden – you know, it hurts to rotate. Well, it's kind of hard to play football if you can't rotate. You know, it's kind of hard to play football if you can't stabilize your upper body and and move your lower body. And so um, those, those just for me personally, I always emphasize some type of mobility. One, it helps with the actual movement. So you talk about, you know, doing shin boxes or some type of hip mobility, pairing that with squatting. Well, a lot of times when you look at kids and they squat and they can't get as low as you would like for them, it's because they don't have that hip mobility to to push their hips and butt back to sit their butt down, right? Or, you know, because their heels aren't elevated, um, they're not able to keep their feet flat. And so they don't have the mobility in their hips. So that trans, transcends downward into their feet. So that's where they, you know, squat on their toes. So if they have core mobility in certain areas, then you're probably going to get core movement patterns in others. So if a kid has poor hip mobility, then you're probably going to get a poor squat pattern, right? If a kid has um, poor thoracic spine mobility, um, then they're probably not going to hinge or flex or stay neutral very well, right? Um, so it's just different things like that. And I just look at our kids and I look at other kids and I'm like, man, that kid looks great, but he moves like crap, right? Uh, that kid, he, he he's strong, he's fast. But every time they go to run the ball, he's the only kid who can't put his hand in the ground because he can't bend enough to put his hand in the ground. So he's got to be in a two. And that just drives me crazy because it's like, yeah, there's talent. That talent can supersede some of those things. But I'm just looking at these athletes and looking at these kids and just thinking to myself, you know, you bench press 300 pounds, but you can't do double digit pushups. Right. Like that, that, that to me is a red flag. You know, that's like a kid talking about football you run great routes you got a great release great speed but you can't catch it's like so then nothing else really matters like if you don't have mobility and flexibility because that's that's where injuries come you know not many people get injured because they were hyper mobile and super flexible you know i don't think they're i don't think nobody has been so if you're not mobile and you're not flexible then you're susceptible for injury and football is a collision collision game and certain positions collide a lot more than others and you know being a former uh, college fullback I played right behind O lineman there's so many times where guys have their foot planted in the ground and somebody gets rolled up in the back of their leg or you know somebody falls into their knee or something like that those guys if they're mobile and more flexible stand a lot better chance than guys who are just strong right um yeah, that guy, he squats 600 pounds, you know, had somebody hyperextended his knee, right? All that strength might have prevented a tear, but if we can keep that guy squatting at 600 and improve his mobility and his hips and his ankles and his low back, then maybe we help him out even more, right? So I don't think strength and, and mobility and all is the end-all be-all, but I think it gives you a, a chance. It's like taking a vaccine, right? Like not saying the vaccine is going to prevent you a thousand percent or a hundred percent from getting sick, but at least if you do get sick, it's not as, you know, contagious or you don't have as many symptoms or whatever the case may be. And so uh, the mobility has been huge and it makes the kids feel good. You know, I mean, the misconception about the weight room is that we're coming in here to grind. You know, I, I don't, I'm not the strength coach is going to come in here and like, Hey, we got yoga going on, get some mats out, turn the, I'm never going to be that guy. Um, there's a time and a place for it, but if we're coming in the train, we're coming in the train. But as far as like guys coming in to train with me, I am going to always implement that mobility. Uh, cause like I said, they, it makes them feel good and it's, it's to promote, you know, range of motion, full range of motion for the actual core exercises. And sometimes the guys just appreciate it. Like, Hey guys, you know, you gotta, gotta throw a little sauce on it. Hey guys. Uh, I took this exercise out to put in an extra mobility for you guys so we can take care of those shoulders right? We may not even be really trying to take care of the shoulders. It may just be something that, hey, we, we haven't been doing a lot of shoulder mobility. Let's throw some more stuff back in there. And then all of a sudden the kids take and they're like, oh my gosh, Coach Crop cares about us. 
<laughs> you know, he took out dumbbell bench press and put in face pulls instead, or he put in, you know, internal external rotation instead with the bands. Like, oh my gosh. And it's like, no, I just felt like we've been hitting a lot these past couple of weeks and I wanted to take some tension off the shoulder. So instead of pressing, we'll, we'll, we'll do some type of upper pool mobility or whatever. So that's just something that I've, I've been trying to do. And I get on the internet, whether it's Instagram or social, Twitter, whatever. And I see people's mobility exercise and I screenshot them or screen record them. And then when I get tired of one particular, you know, thoracic mobility, I'll implement another one because it does get boring. Uh, but then it's like with anything, like as a as a football coach, as an O-line coach, you're not going to not teach your your kick step just because they're bored of doing kick steps like the foundational, you know, or or just getting your set in your three-point stance and loading the weight up on your hand or, you know, a certain part of your foot. Like you're not going to say, hey, I know y'all are tired of doing this, but, you know, and it's it's week week 11, but we're just not going to work on that. Like, no, we're still going to work on it, whether you like it or not. Uh, you, you might as well just get good at it, <laughs> you know, because it's not going anywhere. So we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. Uh, all right, and I mean, my last question is, and something we kind of talked about beforehand and messaging is, you're in the process of starting your own podcast. I know, I think you filmed mm-hmm. at least one episode already. Um, can, yes, sir. Kind of for people listening. Um, a, what is it about? Almost, I'm going to assume strength training, but um, two, um, where can they find it? And and kind of what do you kind of got planned there, Coach? Yeah, so um, you know I'm thankful to be on your your podcast today. I've been on a couple of podcasts in the past, and I've had people DM me and uh, you know inquire about you know some things that I've said, just like we're doing today. Hey, I saw you post this on social media. I wanted to ask you questions about it. Like I didn't obtain all this knowledge and information on my own, so who am I to withhold it? So if I have an opportunity to share, then like by all means. And so um, I just, you know, recently the past couple of years, I've been that guy that's like, Oh, this is a great idea. I want to try this. And then like, that's all it is. It's just something in my notes app right on my phone. And then, you know, last year, or actually I keep saying last year, it was, it was this year in May, but I started planning for it last year. Um, I hosted my own sport performance clinic where I brought in, you know, collegiate coaches to come speak, high school coaches, an athletic trainer, a dietitian. And, you know, for the longest time, I'm like, man, we should have a San Antonio sport performance clinic. And so I said, screw it. I just did it. And so this is something else that was on the docket as far as, you know, ideas and just meeting with other coaches. And, you know, the the concept and the basis of this podcast is, you know, we can talk about X's and O's and things like that, but, I want to talk about more of like the hot takes and strength and conditioning and, you know, talk about, you know, if we're at the coaches social or something and we're out at the bar, like I want those conversations to be had on, on, on microphone, on camera, because those to me, I've always had great conversations just sitting at the coaching social and just talking about like, Hey man, you know, I really got this one coach that I can't stand. Like, how do you, how do you handle dealing with that person? Right. Um, there's so many great podcasts out there, especially about strength and conditioning. Um, uh, and they deal with a lot of like the X's and O's, but like, you know, one of the topics on the podcast, you know, for, for episode one, I said, Hey, who's got bigger egos, a head strength coach or a football coach, right? <laughs> depending on who you ask, man, you might get a different answer and depending on where you're at, like you think Texas football and one of the analogies, you know, I gave, I'm like, you don't think Nick Saban doesn't have a little bit of an ego. I was like, you know, when you think about it, some of the greatest coaches to ever coach, no matter what sport, got a little bit of ego. I'm from San Antonio, okay? We got the Spurs out here. You mean to tell me Greg Popovich ain't got a little bit of ego about himself? Of course he does. So, like, those are the things that I wanted to talk about and and and, and kind of put on record because I know that, you know, all the things that I've talked about in the past on the podcast, people have said, like, hey, or like you did. You know, hey, I saw this and I just wanted more information. I want to have a conversation. I didn't want to go the the typical route. Hey, can you send me your workout on this? Or can you just send me this? 
like, hey, I, let's ask questions about it. Let me hear you explain. Let me get the background of how this even came to fruition, right? The fact that I was able to, you know, take this job and have the endorsement from my coach day one ultimately allowed me to do this. The fact that I was able to change up how we did our fall camp uh, conditioning allowed me to do this warm up. So it wasn't just a, hey, I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see this guy doing something that a lot of people would consider to be radical. There's a lot more to it that, you know, meets the eye. And so I'm glad to have opportunities like this. And so, um, yeah, the podcast right now, so it's a show. Uh, it'll eventually be on Spotify. I'm, I'm a one-man team, man. Just the, the, the beauty of YouTube and Google, uh, just figuring out from what podcast equipment to get, all the way to like how to hook it up, how to record it. Like I finally, I've gotten it done and I'm dropping the first episode tomorrow. Um, it'll be on YouTube. Got a little, uh, little weight room intro, kind of like MTV Cribs, man. And then we go into the, then we go into the actual sit down podcast. So it's about, it's about an hour and 40. I might cut some things out, but it's like, you know, the intent and, you know, this guy that I interviewed, we work in the same district and we always have like great thought provoking conversations. And so the intent was to make it like an hour show. And then after I finish, you know, hitting record, I sit down, I look and it's sitting at like an hour and 32 and I'm like, man, we got a lot of good stuff. So first, yeah. for, you know, season one of a show is always long, right? The the pilot, it's always long. And so um so yeah you can check it out on youtube at uh go fig uh the croc show right go figure um and ironic enough i think probably about five years ago i just started getting back active on social media and, and twitter and stuff and my twitter handle was like croc two croc underscore two or something like that it's pretty generic and i was like i mean i need to like change it to like coach croc and i think coach croc wasn't available and then, you know, they give you some like random numbers. So it's like Coach Croc 26184. I'm like, nah. And then I just, I was like, well, what about the Croc show? Cause I was like, you know, I like to, I like to post hot takes and just thought provoking stuff. I like to, I used to argue with people back on social media. I gave that up. Um, and so I was like, I'll just call it the Croc show. And I was like, you know, one day if I build a brand or something like that, I got a nice, catchy name. And then here I am years later, like, hey, what am I going to call this? this high school strength and conditioning podcast, you know, what am I going to call it? I'm like the Croc show, duh. Like I already got the Twitter handle for it. You know, I already got the YouTube channel for it. So uh, YouTube, the Croc show episode one comes out December 22nd. Um, a lot of great stuff. And then, you know, the, the goal is to maybe one day get out there to Ohio or somewhere, get out, take this thing on the road right now. It's, it's Texas. And I probably got about 15 coaches on my list ranging from all over from Houston to Dallas to Austin to South Texas, Laredo, the Valley, Corpus. So like I got, you know, about a dozen coaches I can sit down and interview over the next six months. Um, but you know, if you, if you see this thing blow up, man, just remember <laughs> to pull this clip up, man. I'll be going all across the country, sitting down with all sorts of coaches and stuff and i might do a college edition one of my guys shout out to uh zach zillner he's the um head strength coach for uh university of texas women's basketball and so i told him like hey if i do a college edition man i gotta come up there and and sit down with you he was like let's do it so i might do a season one might do high school season two might be college season three might be across the country i don't know man it's just it's one of those deals where, you know, sometimes you get an idea and, you know, I think I saw a meme years ago. I don't know how true it is. It was an Elon Musk meme, but it was like, you know, if you have a 10-year plan, you should take the 10-year plan and try to do everything in that 10-year plan in 10 months and then see how far you got because you would have accomplished more in 10 months than you would have over the course of 10 years. And it's like, yeah, when you think about how people procrastinate and how life happens and things happen, it's like if. I talk about doing a podcast in, you know, December of 2022, and I'm just now dropping episode one, December of 2023. It's like, there was a lot of time in that, that I didn't do anything that I could have been doing towards this podcast. And I finally put my head down in, in this past two months and, and went to work and knocked it out. So episode one dropping tomorrow, man, and, and hopefully I can get a nice following and put some good content out there and 
definitely excited to, to check this out. Uh, it's weird. I don't know how often you listen to your podcast after you record them, but it's it's kind of interesting. You know, you go back and you're like, why did I say that? Oh, I should have said this. And you're like, it's too late now. Like that, that, that ship has sailed now. Like, <laughs> like what you wanted to say is too late. So uh, I've definitely been tweaking it and editing it and I'll probably upload it to YouTube this evening. So that way I'd be ready to promote and stuff tomorrow. So yeah, YouTube, the Croc show, social media, the Croc show, um, Patriot S and C. That's what I put on my TikToks. Um, you know, I like to do training videos, highlight the kids. I still don't know how to use TikTok and I'm aging myself, but the kids <laughs> love it. And, you know, it, Hey, if I pull the camera out and that technique and everything cleans up quick. So I like to pull it out and film the kids training hard and everything. Cause it, it definitely helps me, uh, and, and coaching them up in their technique and stuff. So. Now, coaches, uh, give Coach a, a follow on Twitter and then check out his podcast, whether it be on Spotify or on YouTube. Um, probably about, I don't know, two to four weeks from the episode debut and that this will come out somewhere in that range. And then uh, okay. I get this edited. I got mass editing to do next week after I get the last of these filmed. And um, like I said, check Coach out. Um, I think there's some good conversation there. Um, like I said, I enjoyed that to answer his question, I don't listen back to mine very often because I just hate the sound of my own voice after I get done editing it. That's so. okay. It's not just me then. I'm like, oh, oh who's this guy talking? It's like, that's you. That's what you sound like, man. I, I just tried to pull up one of my podcasts the other day and I could just hear my voice. I'm just like, turn it off. No, just, I can't. It's just, it's just, I don't want to hear. I'm too monotone. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I've re-listened a couple, but not, most of the time I just skip through me talking because I I don't really care what I said. It's it's usually not thought provoking. It's usually the other person. My technique is very simple, and I, I've had got comments on it from a buddy of mine. Is is, is I, I ask direct, simple questions and let my guests talk, and that's For I sure. have found to be my best technique. Um, but everybody's different. I mean, like Coach Vass, who's a whole different level, um, is like a PhD in football. I mean, he's got mm -hmm. thought provoking questions, and it works for him. Everybody's got. Got to figure out what works for them. So, um, coaches, like I said, like, share, subscribe, check out Coach, check out his podcast, um, check out his Twitter because, like, it's X, whatever you want to call it nowadays, because it's got he posts stuff frequently, um, some good stuff. Uh, check out our sponsor, Coach Pad. Otherwise, that's another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.